Father, we thank you that we can come before you this morning. God, we can declare the truth of who you are. You are way maker. You are miracle worker. You promise keeper. We thank you, God, that you are true to those. And we just thank you this morning, God, that we can come. God, that we can stand in the presence of a holy king. And Father, this morning we thank you, God, for what you've done for us. God, we thank you mostly this morning for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the forgiveness that we have, God, to stand before a holy God. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts as we hear your word this morning. God, have your way in us. God, we love you. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Kip and Jake, thank you so much, and the elders and trustees for being kind to us today. We appreciate it. Second Samuel chapter 22. Did anybody do their favorite songs, their homework assignment? Top 10 favorite songs. Anybody? Anybody? Y'all are all, you ready to come share them? Okay. Anybody did it, ready to come share them? Your top 10 songs and why? Anybody? Remember, it was a homework assignment. Okay, I'll give you another week. And if you don't do it next week, I will fail you. You will not receive, receive fruit cup. All right, Second Samuel chapter 22. Now, last week we learned from David that David learned that, that his relationship with God was personal. And it says in verse 1, And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So David is sitting down and he's considering all that he's been through. You can imagine what that must be like. He has been a hunted man, a marked man. He has had... Um, Betrayal. He has had enemies. He has had problems. He's had family issues. Uh, he's had a lot of ups and downs. And uh, he found that the Lord was his rock. He was personal. He was his fortress and his deliverer. He says, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. And so ten different times David shared that it was me and my, my God. He has done this for me. He is my rock. And he, is, he has been with me. And that's what David learned. And towards the end of all of our days here on the earth, when we consider all that we go through as we follow God, that's one of the things that we're going to find out is that um, God is indeed personal and he is there for us. And, and now we call, uh, and found in verse 4, he says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies, for the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. And then we see in verse 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I called. From his temple he heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. 
And so David learned, not only is God personal, but David learned that God is powerful. It's a personal relationship with God, but it's a powerful relationship with God. And he said, in my distress, I call upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. Can you imagine the God of all creation, the God of the universe, the God of, of this world, and the, in, the, in the world uh, demonstrates the fullness of God, the beauty of this world, that God who made all this hears us. The God who made all this listens to us, and the God that created all this that we see wants to have a powerful relationship with us, and the means for that powerful relationship is talking to him, prayer, and listening to him, which is prayer. God hears us. God hears us. Prayer is fun. Prayer is life energizing. Prayer gives us an opportunity to connect dots that we're unable to connect without prayer. Through prayer, we get in on the... Um, the war room, perhaps. We get in on the design room. We get in on the process of God putting things in place to orchestrate His will. And it's done by prayer. By prayer. He hears us. He wants us to talk with Him. He speaks to us. He desires that we hear Him. Okay, let's talk about prayer for a little while. How is prayer fun? Well, prayer is fun when you talk with God and you approach God based on his will and based on his desires and you make your requests made known to him. You pray according to his will. You pray and then you wait for God to answer your prayer. And it's a lot of fun to sit back and see the things that only God is able to do. Now, that's fun. It's fun to go, man, let's see what the Lord does today. Let's see what the, what the Lord's going to do at church today. Let's see, we have a problem. We have a problem in our family. We have a problem at work. We have a problem in our neighborhood. We have a problem with relationships around us. We're going to spend time in prayer talking with God about our problem. We know it's God's desire to work out issues within relationships because the way that God makes himself known in this world is that people know that we love God and we are known by our love and so we know that when we are praying that these broken relationships are healed we know God is about that and so we pray according to his will and we wait for God to work it's a lot of fun and it's really life energizing when you see answers to those prayers. 
when you don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel, you don't really see how it's going to work out, you're not quite sure how this thing is going to develop, but you pray and you wait for God to move. And when you see his hand at work, even if the answer is not like that, even if the answer is no, not now, even if the answer is yes, but I'm going to go to work far more than you ever dream possible, is what Ephesians says, that he desires to do far more than we can even consider. You get to see God work, and it energizes our life. And, and prayer makes us want to pray. And answers to prayer makes us want to pray more. And when we get an opportunity to see the hand of the Lord at work around us, we just can't wait to see it again. And it's very addicting. It energizes life. And so it helps us connect dots. It helps us to see how God is orchestrating his plan. And it, it allows us to not be pessimistic and not to be, oh no, it's going to happen bad again. And, and, and to find ourselves always thinking about things uh, uh, on the, the glass is half empty mindset, but that the glass is half full mindset. That is, I'm going to get to see what God is going to do in this situation. And David got to see that. David got to see that God answers his prayer. D David got to see that God has a better plan than David had. David got to see that no matter how strong the enemies were, no matter how difficult the process was, no matter how hard it was for him to maintain the rule of his kingdom, it was promised to him and God was going to deliver him and David got to see the hand of God work. And so it's very life energizing. It's, it's just downright fun when we put ourselves in a position where we are going to get to see the Lord work. Here's some scriptures about prayer that I think are really important for us. Look in 1 John chapter 5. Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's a great verse of scripture. Now, that tells us that's the purpose of 1 John. Okay? Why did God give us 1 John? Why did John write this epistle? Why is this a commentary on the gospel of John? Well, here it is. So that those who believe may know they have eternal life. Nothing better than known for sure about your eternal life. You can know for sure about your eternal destiny. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to figure this out. You could know that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, that you do have eternal life. You don't have to wait for, you to, for your loved one to pass through purgatory. You don't have to wait until you die to figure out if you were born again or not. You can know, topside, you can know that you have eternal life. That's a beautiful thing. And look what he says in verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything, according to his will he hears us if we ask anything according to his will he hears us so that's a promise to us that should be a, a position a positioner for us it should get our mind in the right place what do we need to be talking with God about those things that we know for sure are his will that's where we need to begin we know it's God's will through Jesus in Matthew 9 that workers are raised up. Pray for workers for the harvest. We know through the Apostle Paul's prayer for open doors for the gospel. Paul prayed for open doors for the gospel. We know it's God's will for open doors for the gospel. So we pray that. 
We should pray that. We know that Paul prayed for, and it was God's desire that he be clear in his conversation about Jesus. And so we can pray for a clear presentation that we will be easily understood. That's God's will. It's God's will that we share the gospel. That's clear. It's God's will that we share the gospel in a way that people will understand. And so if you want to see the things that the Lord does, pray for workers of the harvest. And you know the best prayers for the workers of the harvest are those workers that are out there in the field working. Now, if you're sitting under the shade tree all day long and you're watching other people work, you're not concerned with not having enough workers. But if you're out there in the hot sun picking that cotton day after day and you're looking around and say, there's no way we're ever going to be able to get all this cotton in. There's too much cotton and too, many, too, too little of pickers. Then you're going to pray for workers to show up to the field and they're going to pick cotton with you. And in the kingdom of God sense, that is true. Those who are working in the field, those who are sharing the gospel, those who are, are doing the work of the Lord. They see that there's not enough workers. And so we know that that is praying according to the desires of God. So if you pray, Lord, send workers to help us do the work, the Lord is going to send them and you're going to get to be part of that. You're going to get to see that develop. You're going to see God orchestrate that. We also see in, in Romans 10:1, Paul said, my heart's desire is that the Jews be saved. He had a people. He had a compassion for his people, and he prayed that they would be saved. We need to pray that the word of God be honored in our community, and it spread rapidly as Paul prayed. And we need to pray that many, 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 many people will be saved. That is what we know is God's desires. And so we need to pray according to his desires. And verse 15 says, And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask for, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So begin praying the things that you know for sure is God's will. Now, it may not be the Lord's will that you win the lottery. It may not be the Lord's will that the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Not quite sure that's a good use of prayer. Right? I'm not, I'm not so sure that it's God's desires that you have a brand new vehicle. I'm not sure. I don't know that's a good use of prayer. But we do know that it's God's desire that people believe in Jesus. Pray that people around you believe in Jesus and watch the Lord begin to work. Pray that you will have an understanding of the things of God. We know that's God's desire. We know that's what he wants. We know that God desires to increase your ability to love. Start there. Pray that God will, will strengthen you, that you will have the ability to love. We know that he wants us to be forgivers. And so pray for God to give you what is needed in your life for you to forgive. And, and watch how God uses that. I, I know without a doubt that if you pray today, if there's someone in your life that for whatever reason you're stuck and you can't forgive them, that if you go to the Lord with that and say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to forgive. I know it's your will that I forgive give, but for the life of me, I don't know, I just can't seem to forgive that old guy. If you'll begin to pray about that, you'll begin to have those desires that are needed for you to forgive, because he answers those prayers, and that's what he's about.
Now, let's look over in the book of James. Another good uh, scripture on prayer. James chapter 5. It says in verse 13, If anyone among you suffering, let him pray. So there you go. That's God's will. It's from the Bible. It's what the Bible says. Is anyone among you suffering, if you're suffering, if you're suffering spiritually, emotionally, physically, let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. So there you go. We know that if we're suffering, we need to pray. If we're cheerful, if, if we're having, if we're on a high, a spiritual high, if, if we can say, man, my life is, is, is void of any really detrimental circumstances, then obviously there needs to be some worship coming from you. There needs to be a dance in your step. If, if you can just, you can praise the Lord. It says, if you're cheerful, let him sing praise. Right? Will the circle be unbroken? Do that old country. Get that step going. Some glad morning when this life is o'er. That is timid. You must all be suffering. Right? If, if, if we're cheerful, then it should just be worship, sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. If you want that to happen, you just give us a shout. And we will come and we will pray over you as the scripture assigns us to do. It says in the verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, spiritual salvation... That's a neat thing. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, you don't need to make too much of this, but, but here's the deal. In, in this verse 15, people get this and twist it and make a whole theology over it, make a program over it. But here's what it's saying. The person that is so seeking God that they're willing to call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil, there's no problem with their faith. I just I just chuckle at people say, we prayed hard for that individual, but that individual did not get healed. It must be a lack of faith on their part. No, it wasn't. It was God's will. It's God's will. It's not a lack of faith on the prayer's part. It's not a lack of faith on the sick person's part. They went through the design. They did what God said to do. And we pray according to God's will. If God wants the person healed, they will be healed. But here's what it says here. If that person is willing to believe God to the point of calling people to come pray over them in this situation, man, their walk with God is going to be where it needs to be, and they will be forgiven, not because of any other thing than because they have believed God. And they've trusted in him. That name it, claim it theology. That pray, if, if you'll, every disease and sickness will be healed. 
Man, and if they're not healed, it's a lack of faith on their part because obviously the pastor, he's got faith. No, 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 no. That's, that's all twisted. First John said, if you, call, if you pray anything according to his desires, he'll answer that prayer in line with that. If it's God's will, he'll heal that person. If it's not God's will, if that person's illness is for the glory of God, if that illness is for other people, if that illness is, is for the testimony that comes from the illness, then that's what God is going to do. And that's God's business, and we don't need to be getting involved with God's business. That's a good lesson in every area of God's work. Let's not get involved in trying to tell God the way he should conduct his business. And let's be honest about it, man. Many believers are in the business of telling God how to do his business. And it's a real mistake. And so be careful with that verse. Verse 16, there's healing in telling people your struggles. There's, there's, when, when things get out on the table and you're no longer hiding yourself and you're no longer hiding in the closet with your sins, man, it makes you feel good. When you get it all out on the table, not hiding anything, then healing can begin. If, if a husband and wife are going through a hard time, the reason why they're not making progress in getting beyond the conflict is because one or both parties are not willing to be completely honest about where they are. And they're hiding. And if they would just get it all on the table, then they will begin to see healing take place. But not until then. That's why we confess our sins to one another. Now, listen to what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We're just saying the Lord is always working, didn't we? Let that verse sink in. Let this phrase sink in. Let this idea sink in. Listen to this. The prayer of a righteous person. It doesn't say perfect. It says righteous there are two different things. It doesn't say the person that's got it all together doesn't say that at all. It says the righteous person. Do you know how we're righteous in life? By believing in Jesus Christ. He makes us righteous. He makes us righteous. So, this is for every believer. It's not for a few. It's not for a holy bunch. It's not for just a, just a hierarchy in the body of Christ. It says here, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So, a person that has been born again, a person that believed in Jesus Christ, a person whose sins have been forgiven, a person who has been washed by the blood of Jesus, they are righteous. They are saints. That's what the Bible tells us. And so, if we are right with God, not perfect because none of us are there. Elijah wasn't perfect, so this can't be perfection that God is wanting for us. He wants it to be righteous, right with God, a desire to be right with God, a desire for holy direction, not, ho not, not perfection, but the direction is a desire for God. So that's, that's what I see there. I see that you and I must be desiring God's will to be done.
We desire that God be known. We desire that God be praised. We, we desire that God be God in our life. We're not in charge of our life. We're letting God work. That's a righteous person in, in position and in activity. So get that righteous thing going. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Great power. It's a powerful relationship. As we pray, as we pray according to his will, as we pray by faith, as we pray from a devoted heart, a surrendered heart, there is power in that working. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Be fun right now if everybody be really honest and talk about their nature. How many of y'all been so depressed you can't get up in the morning sometimes? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Very good. How many of you have been so discouraged you don't think anything is going to work out? Thank you. We got a few here. How many of you have, have, have seen your life and if you've looked at your life, you looked at the circumstance of your life and go, I, I just need to quit. Nothing's going good. Thank you. We got a few. Me too. Man, just, I, I'm useless. I'm worthless. I have nothing to offer. Listen, that was Elijah. Elijah wasn't some big perfect prophet. Elijah ran like a scared dog from Jezebel. And if you had met Jezebel, you might run scared like a dog from her too. She was ruthless. I've seen a few Jezebels in the church. Watch out for them wicked women. The Eagles song about witchy women. I'm looking at some right now. I'll guarantee it. There's some witchy women right here. Yeah, boy, Elijah. Y'all, Elijah. Elijah was far from perfect. Elijah was often depressed. Elijah was fickle. Elijah was a coward. And you say, but wait a minute. He saw fire fall from heaven. He sure did. And then when he found out Jezebel was mad that all her prophets were slain, Elijah ran for his life, and he ran to a little stream, and he was f fed by blackbirds. He hid like a scared rat dog. Elijah. So this verse of Scripture is not saying Elijah was so powerful of a spiritual dynamo that when he spoke, God just absolutely woke up and said, Oh, my Elijah. No one is like Elijah. They didn't, God never said that about Elijah, that Elijah was the greatest. No, none of that. And, and the Bible here says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Weak, feeble-minded, coward at times, depressed, full of anxiety, 
full of old me. He had pity parties. Any of y'all have pity parties? Get so, yeah, we're getting more, we're getting some hands going now. Because you were afraid that you weren't going to be like Elijah. I'm telling you, you're more like Elijah than you realize. We are all more like Elijah. The Bible tells us that. That's the reality thing. That's who Elijah was. But Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, this prayer business is not for me. It's for you. It's for me. We are righteous with the nature of Elijah. We can pray and our prayer will work, will impact our day, will impact our family, will impact our community. If we pray in faith, by faith, according to God's pleasures, we will experience Things only God is capable of doing. He's a man just like us. One more thing I want to share with you about prayer this morning. And this ought to light your fire. This is a good one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Remember that Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. Powerful, powerful teaching in Philippians. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You can, you can spend five or six months right there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What you going to do tomorrow, Daddy? Rejoice in the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. What else are you going to do, Daddy? I'm going to rejoice in the Lord some more. But aren't you going to work? Oh, yeah, I'm going to work, and I'm going to put up with all that rejoicing. And when a, when a problem happens, I'm going to rejoice. When trouble happens, I'm going to rejoice. When conflict happens, I'm going to rejoice because the Bible says to rejoice in the Lord always. How often do you rejoice? Always. Texas gets beat by TCU. Hallelujah! Rejoice! <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. The Rangers will never go to the World Series again. Rejoice in the Lord. The Cowboys will not get beat today. Rejoice in the Lord. They don't play today. That's the only reason they won't get beat. Rejoice. Every single day, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I would say rejoice. So what does God want from us? He wants rejoicing children. Children who have chosen to rejoice. Oh, yeah. Let your reasonableness be, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That old boy is reasonable. Why is he reasonable? The Lord is at hand. He is coming. He is coming to reckon. He is coming for a day of judgment. We need to be reasonable about who we are and who God is. Do not be anxious about anything. There you go. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, we're not going to be anxious about anything because we're rejoicing, right? Okay, well, 
it comes back to this. It goes, rejoice always. That's command of the Lord, like do not murder, rejoice. And then it says, do not be anxious about anything. And it tells us what to do. If you are full of worry, if you are full of anxiety, here's what you do. You turn your anxiety into prayer. And I think you ought to start with exactly what you are feeling anxious about and what you are being worried about. Lord, I have no idea how uh, long I'm going to be able to keep this job because the crowd is getting less and less and less, the pastor says. Well, I'm going to turn that concern and that worry into prayer. And I'm going to pray that, Lord, how come the crowd's low? How come people are doing this and that and the other instead of coming to your house? Lord, what's going on here? He is going to turn that anxiety and that worry into prayer. As I turn to prayer, he is going to turn it into peace. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he tells us that the ingredients of prayer, we have, we have supplication, we have thanksgiving, and we have requests. We make our requests known to God. And it says here, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there you have it. Here's how powerful the relationship with God is. He hears us. He hears us according to his pleasure. It is for every believer because we're just like Elijah. So it should be absolute encouragement. And here it tells us that whatever you're worried about, whatever is eating your lunch, whatever your problem is, whatever your anxiety is, if you will pray that anxiety to the Lord, he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. Now, this is my simple way of understanding what that means. You have no idea why you got peace because it's without understanding. You can't define it. You can't explain it. There's no reason in the world for you to have peace. Your world is collapsing. Things are not going according to plan. Things are just upside down in your world, right? But you pray and you rejoice and you pray and rejoice. And what does the Lord do? He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. You want some of that? You have to pray. You have to pray. You got to pray and pray and pray. You got to live by prayer. You got to believe God, trust in Him, trust His ways, recognize that He may have a way of doing things different than you got. His plan may be vastly different than your plan, but you pray and you pray and you pray, and you'll get to have fun. Life energy will come from that, and you'll get to see the power of God. He just flat wants his children to pray. Lord, help us to pray. Help us to call upon you. We're thankful that David said those words in that song that you delivered him from enemies, you delivered him from life's problems. 
and you heard him. You heard his cry. We are so absolutely grateful today, God, that you hear our cry. You hear us. That's an amazing thing, God, that you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.